Welcome to episode 67 of Breakout Culture. I'm Charlotte Metcalf. I'm the associate editor at Country and Townhouse magazine. And I'm Ed Vasey, the culture editor of Country and Townhouse magazine. This week we're going to be talking about jazz. It's the first time we've really focused on jazz in this podcast. And when we start hearing from today's guests, you're going to wonder why we've left it so long. Today's guest is a well-known singer, songwriter, band leader and sax player who's currently pouring himself a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> He's been taking his very distinctive style of swing, jazz and R&B to concerts, clubs and festivals all over the world since 1988. He has indeed. Plus he and his band, The Giants, have had a long-established residency at London's famous Ronnie Scott's, where they perform every Christmas. They've twice entertained Her Majesty the Queen, opened for Robbie Williams at the Albert Hall, played at Paul McCartney's wedding and at numerous venues and festivals from the Lincoln Centre in New York to the Montreal and Umbria Jazz Festivals. We are very excited to have the godfather of swing himself on our podcast, Ray Gelato. Good morning, Ray. Morning to you. How's everybody? Thank you for that lovely intro. Now, which wedding was it at Paul McCartney's? (laughs) Uh, I can tell you exactly. It was Heather Mills. Oh, Paul and Heather, and it, but it wasn't my fault. It broke up. Everybody <laughs> blames me. I'm not having you play at my second wedding. That's sure. <laughs> he loved it. He, he absolutely, they both loved it. You know, it was a lovely, great night. Oh, I oh. bet it was. Yeah. And tell us, tell us about when you played for the Queen and how did that come about? Well, I played for her twice uh, in, a, in a very small room at the Ritz. And um, I, I don't know whether they requested us again, but we ended up a few years later playing the second one. And um, when I played that song, uh, Buonasera, Signorina, oh, Buonasera, Signorina, Buonasera, the Louis Prima thing, she looked round and smiled at me as she was leaving. <laughs> so I got a smile from her. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lovely, really enjoyable do. I mean, they were all there. I remember Margaret was there. That's how long ago it was. And those, uh, and, uh, uh, Edward and everybody. So, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great, great thing to do. Well, I'm seeing Edward tonight for dinner, so uh, I'll mention that I've spoken to him this morning. He'll say, he'll say who? <laughs> That's a bit now, of a name drop, Ed. <laughs> well, you know the circles I'm moving in. It's the National Youth Theatre Gala. He's our patron. Oh. oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we should get the National Youth Theatre on. Let's brainstorm some guests. No, let's go back <laughs> to Ray. Now, uh, I'll name drop Robbie Williams. I've met Robbie Williams once. I met him just before the Brits, and I said to him, I am the Minister for Pop Music. And he said, does that mean you serve me peanuts on my private jet? <laughs> I hope he treated you better when you opened for him at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, honestly, he was lovely. That, that, that gig, we, um, I only knew the day before I was doing it because I got a call from the musical director, Steve Sidwell. And he said, Ray, are you free? I said, I don't know. I don't know if the guys are free or not. I'll, so I called him up. I said, what's it for? He says, Robbie Williams. I says, oh, bloody hell, yeah, we're, we're free. So <laughs> we ended up opening up for him. He's a lovely guy. He sat there in the sound check uh, in his tracksuit bottoms and T-shirt watching us, came up on the stage, made sure to shake everybody's hand. A guy that respects musicians, so he got my respect. You know, it was, a, it was a interesting dude. To be really frank with you, we were completely ignored because one is at those sort of dudes anyway by all the, uh, they were there to see Robbie, but it was a great thing to do. But he's, he's done a jazz album, hasn't he, Robbie Williams? So he, he's done a couple, yeah. He's obviously yeah. been inspired by you. Uh, maybe he has. Maybe he has. I don't know. I think a lot of people have, and they because uh, we've been around a long time doing, doing the swing stuff. I mean, not really modern jazz, but the sort of what I call the, the jazz that communicates to, to people, which not so many people do now, you know. But you're obviously the musician's musician if you've got Paul McCartney and Robbie Williams requesting you. 
Yeah. Another, another fan of mine is Van Morrison as well. He's come to many, many gigs. He was only... We played the jazz room at the Pizza Express in Dean Street uh, a few months back, and he was sitting there. Someone really? said, yeah, absolutely. He's been several... He's been to see us a lot. He's been to see us at Ronnie Scott's 606, and I always get a, a summons to sit with him as well. <laughs> he's a nice he's, guy. He's a nice he, guy. Yeah, everyone thinks he's a bit grumpy, but he's not, is he? He's, I've never seen that side of him, Ed. He's always been very, very nice to me. Uh, and, um, you know, he's asked me to lunch a few times and I've gone. He's, the guy remains a fan of music, so that's, that's lovely. So that's all we really talk about. So it's, it's really, really sweet. You know, yeah, I like him a lot. Didn't me Jules Holland must be in your orbit as well? No, I know Jules, and he's, he's been to see us a few times. He sat in with us many years ago at a venue called The Pizza on the Park. But, um, mm, I remember we don't, that, yeah. Yeah, it's a really nice venue, and he sat in and came with his family and whatever. So um, we're friends, but we, our paths don't really cross so much. I guess we're both working, so uh, not, not so much. I've done his radio show, but never his TV show. And can we go back to the beginning and, and um, tell our listeners how you started? Because you started with the Chevalier Brothers, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was a very popular band in, in the early 80s. Um, and it started by accident. It started with us busking in Camden Lock. I heard a, heard a guitar and I was on a jazz course at the City Lit and I had my saxophone. I said to this guy, can I play? I couldn't really... Well, I could play, but I wasn't an accomplished player. He says, yeah, sure. So we started playing and then it... it it came, went from there. We got offered gigs. And uh, I think we were probably one of the first bands to revive. I don't like to use that. Yeah, I guess we had to use that word, revive swing music from where the masters used to do it. And they stopped doing it in the 1940s and 50s. So it was a forgotten genre. And I guess we kind of revived it. And um, we were young kids in our early 20s just getting into these new sort of sounds, you know. Well, they were new to us. You know, that was just like hearing new music and that blew us away, you know. And so that, when, did, when did you then become the Giants and form that That, was, a, that was about 1988. The Chevalier brothers sort of slowly died for, for various reasons, bad, bad management, um, probably our bad behaviour because <laughs> we were young and, and, and uh, we didn't really take understand that it was a business, not, not a game, you know. And um, then I had my own band really since 1988, you know, uh, led it, uh, and I'm still doing it today. And you've released 10 albums... And oh, at in, least, at yeah. least. And yeah. in 2020, it was your 25th anniversary, so you released right. a special album. And then yeah. you did another one during lockdown called Lockdown But Not Out. How did you manage Absolutely. to do that in lockdown with all of you? Well, look, just to back up, the, the live one was recorded at the late venue, the venue that went under in the pandemic, The Hideaway. So we recorded that for the 25th anniversary live over a couple of nights. And we put that out on vinyl. And just before the pandemic, we were selling so many, I didn't realise the interest in vinyl, you know, because CDs are kind of passe in a way. Everybody was buying the vinyl. And then in lockdown, I thought we were so bored and so dispirited that I spoke, we were having regular Zoom calls with the guys in the band. And we, we did a couple of videos just as a joke and recorded the parts on the phone, on iPads, a couple of guys at Garage, but I mean, really basic. And our sound engineer put it together and it sounded quite good. And I thought, well, with a bit more polish, Maybe we could do an album. So I got busy writing. You know, I wrote every day some songs. And uh, consequently, everybody did it in this very basic manner. Everyone's technology got a little bit better as we went on. And uh, mine certainly did. And uh, we had an album out of it. And it sounds pretty good. You know, it's <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> we just sent the guys the music and the general idea. And they played their parts individually. We started with the, started with the bass, then the, then the piano, then the drums. We put that together, sent the guys the rhythm section track, and we laid it all on top. 
I mean, it was a remarkable achievement, really, something that I would never think could be possible. And it worked. You know, people liked it. Well, you got very busy during the pandemic because you've also got a podcast, haven't you? And um, I've listened to it. It's quite funny because you rant away about things like London's traffic and ugly buildings. It's really... I do, I do. Well, that, that's called that's called Gelato's Parlour. And to be honest, I haven't done anything with that for about a year and I've got to revive that. Yeah, I, I like to keep that... I tell old stories and things that went on in, in the, on tours and that, but I also do rant about things that, that bother me. But then I was doing a coffee show three times a week and, and uh, which got a lot of followers called Coffee with Ray, where I'd, I'd sing a few songs, tell a few gags and just engage with the people in lockdown. You know, I, I kind of felt a duty to do that, really. And that was uh, that really get, gained a lot of new fans for us. You know, I was very happy with that. I was bashing out my very rudimentary piano because I'm not really a piano player, but I, I had to get a bit better. And uh, it was a lovely thing to do, you know. Yeah. And so tell us about some of the Jazz festivals. I've been to the Umbria Jazz Festival, which I absolutely loved because it's all over the town, isn't it? You sort of follow people around. Um, and you, how many times have you done that? Twelve times or something? Twelve times. I did that Twelve. last in, in um, well, 18, I think. 18 or 19. No, 19, I think. 18 or 19, just a couple of year or two before the pandemic. I was due to do it this year. But because Omicron broke out and Italy was still, you know, it's, it's, it, it was on the floor, they, uh, they, they said they couldn't come up with a budget, which I'm finding all the time at the moment. But that's a marvellous festival. But I've just done, just did Ronnie Scott's at Christmas and we've just come back from the Blue Note in Milan. I just did that uh, last week for five nights and that was packed. Two shows a night, absolutely packed. It was a great, great venue, that, you know. It's funny the Italians love jazz so much. Yeah, I agree. I was going to ask, yeah. exactly right. I was just going to ask that. Do you think there's more of an appetite for it in, in Europe than there is here for jazz? Or, or I think, no, I think there's more of an appetite for the sort of jazz I play, which is sort of more on the happy end, you know, more what I call the swing end. Um, and I think as well, they probably get more funding, you know, people are a little bit more open, a little less spoilt with music maybe a little little hungrier to hear something new so yeah i think it's it i think it's a lot better than, than the uk to be honest with you <laughs> so let's go back to uh talk about ronnie scott's because you were there presumably before the sally green days were you um, yes yeah, and, and no yes i was um, both as a punter because i used to go in the 80s to hear people i wanted to hear play you know anybody from um i saw ike turner there I saw Ruth Brown and many, many people. You know, I used to go all the time, so they got to know me. But it took me 15 years to get in that room because we used to do the pizza on the park, as I told you. So I used to turn up in the foyer at Ronnie Scott's with all the reviews and, uh, oh, this is a great band. And, and I'd wait about 20 minutes and Pete King, Ronnie Scott's partner, would come down and he'd say, what do you want? I'd say, well, I'd, I'd like a gig, Pete. You know, um, we've done well at the pizza and I'd really think the band could do well here. Oh, I don't know. Come see me after Christmas. So I went every, I'd see him after Christmas for 15 years and I didn't <laughs> give up. <laughs> and eventually he gave us the support band, uh, supporting George Melly. And I did that until George died. Once George, uh, George died, Pete offered me the, um, the headline spot. So I was there. Yeah. We, we established it before the, the new regime took over, but it was hard work working. It was hard work getting there. But I mean, Pete was an old school tough guy. <laughs> you had to... It was fun. And and has it changed? I mean, it used to be amazing because I used to go, year, I haven't been for years, but I used to go and, and it, it really was, you were kind of two inches away from George Melly or Nina Simone, I saw that. Yeah. I mean, incredible people. How, how has it changed now? Because, I mean, it, was, it wasn't 
great for food and drink, wasn't that delicious? <laughs> it was terrible. They, well, <laughs> they used to give that. us. They used to give us. I, I think spaghetti bolognese and a burger. And uh, <laughs> talk about the food. Once I saw them serving pasta in that downstairs bar because there was the hatch with the kitchen, and I heard the chef go "achoo" right on the plate of pasta. So that was served to somebody. So, but uh, it's improved well, a lot. Revolting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw that happen, and we were. And um, but but I'm, I'm I'm saying the old guard. It was a fantastic place, and that that atmosphere would never ever be recaptured. It was an edge, complete yeah. edge. The yeah. club used to have. It's still there. The food and drinks improved, the money's improved, and we still pull a good audience. And uh, I'm, I get on with them there, and uh, I think Sally's done a, I mean, you know, thank God she did take it over, you know. Um, and, and I think it's, uh, I th- it's different, but it's still a great club. It still promotes jazz, and that's good enough for me, and it gives new artists a chance in the upstairs room, so it's great. The old days, I would say, were more dangerous. They were more dangerous in the way that you, you could get sort of thrown out by the bouncers quite physically if you messed and up. And food poisoning. <laughs> and, and food poisoning. The food was terrible. They used to have that cube of deep-fried camembert, you know, out, oh, the, um, out I, the packet, and they do that. And, uh, but, oh, you know, I do love just, a deep-fried camembert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was With a charm. Cranberry sauce. Yeah. They were great days. They were great days at the old, the old club, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm just pleased it's still going, you know. But why did the bouncers throw people out then? I can't believe that it was very rowdy in a jazz club. It, oh, it could be, because uh, what you see, you've got to remember, it was later then. The hours were much later, so now it finishes earlier. But we used to go on after supporting George when he'd finished. We'd go on about one thirty-two in the morning and people would be absolutely hammered, you know, real. And uh, so people would start uh, trouble. They might heckle, they might try to get on the stage. So the bouncers would pick them up and throw them out on the Frith Street, you know, <laughs> um, take no crap at all. Did that include Ken Clark? I saw Ken Clark down there a couple of times, and I yeah, saw he's a great uh, Ronnie Scott's aficionado. Yeah, no, I don't think Ken ever got thrown out. I, I saw <laughs> I saw Spike Milligan down there, and I saw uh, Prescott. I've seen a lot of people down there. The late Charles Clark used to come down, the Liberal Democrats guy. But I've I've actually Charles thrown Kennedy. Some, Charles Kennedy. Charles Kennedy. Sorry, Charles yes, absolutely. Clark is a Labour politician. Very yeah, much yeah, yeah. Alive and well, we don't want to start rumours. <laughs> no, 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 Ch- Charles Kennedy. But um, I've actually uh, once I threw someone out myself because. Um, the bouncers weren't doing anything. This was under the new guard, not, not the old guard. And a uh, guy kept getting on the stage with his, trying to get on with his girlfriend. And, uh, you know, you can't have someone on the stage because if it all goes wrong, it's down to me or the club. You know, we could get... And anyway, it's just not on. So I told the guy to stop and I couldn't find any bouncers. So I got my sacks off and got him by the neck and pulled him out myself. <laughs> <laughs> this was, don't forget, this was an hour and a half of provocation. So I had enough. I said, no, 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 I'm getting rid of this guy. I threw him out onto the street. But you've never met Ken Clark then? Uh, no, I've, I think I've seen him down there, but I've never met him. No, we've never spoke. I've, I'm sure he's come to see us. Oh, I'm sure he has. Yeah, I'm sure he was to see jazz us. Jazz aficionado. He used, to, he used yeah. to go after, um, you know, after the Commons rose at ten late night voting. He'd nip off to Ronnie Scott's. Yes, I've seen. I've seen him uh, interviewed about Ronnie's, and I'm sure he's been down there when we when we were there. But there's been so many people going down there that it's hard to keep track of, of everybody. You know. Is it still packed out, Ray? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Even in the pandemic, when they when in between lockdowns, they were doing a reduced capacity. Um, of course, that was packed. But when we played at Christmas, yeah, mobbed, absolutely mobbed, and that was in the uh, the Omicron, um, you know, the new wave of it. So uh, they managed to keep it open through that. I'm really pleased about that. It's packed, mobbed both shows. Yeah. Because you've got two live shows coming up 
Uh, tell yeah. us the dates and tell us all about this new uh, venture with Leo Green. Well, I've been down there once to see Leo's band. I know Leo very well, and he's done the remarkable... Tell our listeners who he is. Well, Leo Green, is a, he was on, 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 um, on the BBC for quite a while. Now he's doing his own jazz FM show. He's a broadcaster and also a fantastic sax player that's played with Van Morrison for many years, Jerry Lee Lewis, Clarence Clemens. You know, he was a very, very busy, uh, great rock saxophone player and uh, an all-round kind of raconteur radio host. And... Uh, He's, uh, he's, he's done a remarkable feat in, in, in getting a residency in London because, you know, they don't exist anymore, those kind of rooms. And he's, he's, he's got his band there, I think, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And he's offered me um, such some Wednesdays to do. And I thought, yeah, you know, give it, give it a try. It's a, it's a, lovely, it's a lovely lounge uh, uh, club in the bottom of the um, Midlake Hotel. And it's called The Green Room. And um, beyond that, I don't know much about it because I haven't played there yet. <laughs> well, I, can I just say, I've been there twice. And um, it, yeah, it's absolutely terrific. It's in Covent Garden. It's in Great Queen Street, the yeah. Middle Eight Hotel. And it's really, really good fun because what they do is they take, um, I've actually been there with my daughters as well. And they, so they play really contemporary songs, but obviously with a great swing yes. twist to them. Yeah. So everything from Michael Jackson to, um, you know, take that. And it sounds cheesy, but actually it's really, No, really it works, doesn't it? Yeah, high I saw it. High energy it and really, yeah. really good fun night out. And everyone's on their feet dancing by the end. And yeah. he is, he is, um, whose son is, Leah's... Um, it's Benny Green. Benny, Benny Green. Green was yeah. the broadcaster and a musician himself. So Leo's took a, a lot, a lot of, uh, of, of great things from, from Benny. I, could, I, I knew Benny very well and I could see... Uh, that, you know, how, how, how that, that, that legacy lives on with, with Leo. But he's very much his own man as well. You know, he's not just a, uh, trying to copy what his dad did. He's influenced by that. He does his own thing. So, Charlotte, you've got this secret jazz life I never knew about. I've got a secret jazz life. Yes. You're well, always off to jazz clubs. <laughs> no, well, I do really like the Middle Eight because it's also it's so easy to get to. Cause it's yeah, but you've one... been to Umbria, you've been everywhere. Yeah, Umbria was fantastic. What's that band called, Ray? Is it called Funk Off? Yeah, there's an enormous right. Italian band. It's called Funk Off. Funk Off, yeah. And it walks through the town. Yeah, they're and a pain it... in the ass. Oh, I no. can't. No, I'll tell you why. Because we're tired. <laughs> we're we're up all night. We finish yeah. the show and then we're drinking all night. You know, living the musician's life and having a laugh. And then nine in the morning, boom, boom. Boom, boom. They start outside the hotel room. So we actually, I mean, we love them as people, but we, we hate them as well because no one can sleep. And then they start off at, I think, three o'clock as well. So you're having your three o'clock nap before the show. Boom, boom, boom. And it's deafening. So uh, I'm just a grumpy old sod, you know. <laughs> and need to get my rest when I'm away. But they, they're a great band. You are right. They're a great yeah, band. no, it's such good fun. And you just walk, follow them all the way yeah. through the town. I, I loved that festival. I thought it was actually terrific. It's the best, by far the best. It's just a... Uh, a wonderful event, honestly, and the the hang there for three for, for ten days is just uh, a lot of fun. It meets some lovely people, you know, and lovely artists as well. Great, so I've met a lot of greats down there, you know. Uh, I've had uh, Tony Bennett walked in because I used to do a little jam in one of the clubs. So there's a great restaurant called um, um, La Taverna down the down. You know, there's little medieval alleyways and all that there. Yeah, well, down there Taverna, and um, we do a little jam session down there in between shows. And Tony Bennett walked in one day while I was while I was singing. Uh, I didn't know really where to put myself and sat there and the whole meal, you know, and watched watched. But he was very nice, very complimentary, and very happy hearing stuff. So, you know. Do you think um, jazz still 
has an appeal to young people. I mean, it's interesting what you say about um, it, it, that you played for Robbie Williams and that uh, that are very popular younger singers like him who are doing jazz. But yeah. do you think it's in, it's enduring? Are you? It's a new generation of fans coming up. Do you think? I think that you had that sort of revival with Robbie. And uh, you see, we did it many, many years before those guys, but they were they were more famous than us. You know, they were stars already, whereas we've always been under the radar. And that's kind of like the, the way I sort of like it in a way. Um, but, um, you know, Robbie Williams, Jamie Cullen, Michael Bublé, they were all jumping up. They were good, but then you had Peter Andre and Will Young and guys doing swing albums, Rod Stewart. Paul McCartney did one. So that was part of a revival that spun over from America because it was a big revival in the 90s in the States. Um, now, no, I don't think there is. I think you just got to, what's the word? Uh, plow your own path in a way, you mm. know. Or, or, and uh, I just marched to beat my own drum, and I'm really happy people come to see it. I think people come to see me, but they're not necessarily. I don't think there's necessarily a swing movement anywhere, you know. I might be wrong. I mean, there's a swing dance movement, but it's not really what we do. So um, no, I don't think there is. Where did you grow up, Ray? I grew up in Latimer Road. Um, just the back end of Labrook Grove, West London. Yeah, yeah. That, so you, 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 must, you must be a Chelsea fan. Uh, no, I was QPR when I was growing up. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. They'd always lose. <laughs> then I, <laughs> I lost. But it was a rough area. You know, I grew up on a council estate. I'm, I'm happy I had the upbringing I had. It was very multicultural. Um, it was a fantastic upbringing in a way. Tough, but, but it made me in a way a, a street musician. I still consider myself a street musician, not an elite or anything like that. Someone that plays for the people. And I think that background I had probably gave, gave me that um, honesty where did in a you way. Grow, where did you come across jazz then, growing up in Latimer Road? My father was a big rock and roll fan. My father's American. He's from New Jersey. So he was in the Air Force in the 50s and met my mum. And they ended up somehow living in Latimer Road after living in the States for a while. So I was born over here. And my dad had a great collection of, um, of all, all, all the American music, you know, but of the time, like uh, Bill Haley and the Comets, Fats Domino, rock and roll, you know, Little Richard, but Sammy Davis. So I grew up with that stuff. And I, I got into jazz when I started playing the saxophone in the, um, in the early 80s because I was doing jazz courses and I got to listen to... Um, a lot of the greats like Stan Getz, you know, John Coltrane, that sort of thing. But then the swing, uh, the guitar player and the Chevalier brothers introduced me to a lot of that stuff, like Benny Goodman, Louis Jordan, people like that. So um, I kind of mixed it all together, you know. Yeah. And you do a lot with Bar Italia and Soho, don't you? Well, I hang out there and waste yeah. my time. <laughs> I wrote a song for them. I saw yeah. there's a great little film that you did. Tell us a bit about that. Well... I, I've known the Pelleggi family for, for years, you know, since, um, since the 70s when I, when I first started going to Soho. And um, a few years ago, Anthony says, Ray, you know, you're always in here. Uh, <laughs> do you want to write a song called Bar Italia? I says, yeah, I'll try. So I went on the, go home on the Piccadilly line because I live in Ealing. I go straight there. And I'm on my notes on the phone and I thought, yeah, I think I've got an idea. Bang, 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 bang. Got home and bashed it out on the piano. And the whole process probably took me about 15 minutes and I had a song. I get asked for it everywhere. I've just been in Milan, they asked me for it. I was in Brazil a couple of years ago and they asked for Bar Italia. It's fantastic, you know. Well, I think we should hear a little bit of that song right now. Here it is. It's just a little place where good friends come to meet. This old cafe is better than the rest. It's in the heart of Soho, man, you gotta go, go. 
the coffee that they serve there, it's the best. You could get a nice panino, say ciao to Signor Nino, catch up on news with old Luigi P. Tony's place is fine, just like a good old wine. Our Italia is the place for me. That was fantastic. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, I'll tell you what I believe in, right? I believe to, if you just recreate the music of the past, you're wasting your time. You do that to learn. You know, you learn from the music of the past and you transcribe other artists and you copy. But eventually you have to find yourself. And the best way of doing that is to write your own material. So when are you going to be playing at um, the, the QT room in, in the Middle Eight Hotel? The QT will be March the 9th. We're doing two shows, I believe, 8 and 10. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then March the twenty third. So we're doing the two, two in March, and I'm, I'm hoping if it goes well, we'll get, we'll get more. You know, it'd be fantastic. I never do a set list. I look out and see what the audience want. I'll start and end with the same song. I always start with "When You're Smiling," like the shuffle version, and I end with just a gigolo. But in between, anything can happen. Well, huge good luck with it, and thank you so much for coming on. That was absolutely terrific. My pleasure. It's been a lovely interview and a lovely way to spend a morning. You know, thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And just to end on a really high note, here is Ray Gelato and his Giants playing Just a Gigolo. I'm just a gigolo Everywhere I go People know the part I'm playing We paid for every dance Selling each romance Oh, what they saying There will come a day as youth will pass away And what will they say about me Sadly, that's all we've got time for this week, but don't forget that the latest edition of Country and Townhouse is out now at selected newsstands and Waitrose, as well as online, of course, along with the 2022 edition of Great British Brands. We can be found at countryandtownhouse.co.uk, where you'll also find our sister podcast, House Guest, with all the latest news on interiors from Carol Annette. And just add forward slash newsletter to subscribe both to the weekly magazine newsletter and to the Great British Brands monthly. We love your feedback, so keep it coming to charlotte at countryandtownhouse.co.uk. And make sure you tune in next week because we're going to be chatting with Tracy Emin. She's on cracking form given how desperately ill she's been with truly vicious cancer and recently COVID, but she's back firing on all cylinders. She's going to be telling us about her plans for her new art foundation and school in Margate and her new exhibition that's coming up next month. She really is an inspiration, so don't miss out. See you next week. Goodbye. See you next week.